from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Breaking news this morning in the NBA. With the Western Conference Finals about to start, with the Eastern Conference Finals only a day away, Philadelphia not taking part in the playoffs anymore. And today there's consequence for that as they have fired coach Doc Rivers. I will remind everyone at this point, over the course of the last three years, the three teams in the NBA that have put up the best record are the Suns, the Bucks, and the 76ers. And now, as of this moment, all three have let their head coach go. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. And Harry, we wondered. We knew that there was going to be a possibility of a press conference today. We knew was, there would be the chance that we would hear about the future. And Woj this morning reporting that uh, the 76ers are parting ways with Doc Rivers, which leads to all sorts of conversation of what led us here. Before I get your thoughts, I want you to hear what James Harden, Sixers guard, said. Remember, everybody after Game 7 when he was asked very specifically about his relationship with Doc. When you got here, you said that one of the reasons you wanted to come, if I'm not mistaken, was Doc. How has your relationship been with Doc, and would you like to see him back? Uh, I mean, I okay. our relationship is okay. Harry, our relationship is okay was not a glowing endorsement. It led to a lot of speculation. Now we know that speculation is fact. Well, I, I would say this, um, James Harden this season, and even Doc Rivers touched on this after they lost. It was at, either right after they had lost um, that game against the Boston Celtics or the day after, he touched on James Harden, right, and how, you know, things might not have been comfortable for him because he had to play a different role, right? And the role that he was playing was not the role that he was accustomed to you know, to being in when he was in Houston, when he has the ball in his hands uh, majority of the, of the times. Um, he's used to that Mike Dan and Tony system um, in which my brother Tony Douglas played in with Mike Dan and Tony um, when he was with the New York Knicks and I believe also in, in Houston as well. So that's what he's accustomed to. But when you have a player like Joel Embiid, you have to sacrifice, right? And Doc Rivers touched on that. And then James Harden gets asked the question about, you know, his relationship with Doc Rivers and you know, he basically says it's okay. That tells me the way he mentioned, the way he said it, though, that the relationship isn't good, right? And then you look at Doc Rivers being let go of his head coaching duties this morning, and a lot of people are speculating and questioning and wondering, you know, did James Harden play a part into that? And the reason why I say that is because, you know, the guy calling the shots when he was in Houston was Daryl Morey. Well, Daryl Morey is now with the Philadelphia 76ers. And if James Harden felt some type of way um, about Doc Rivers, did he go and tell Daryl Morey about it or whatnot? We don't know that yet. We don't know the behind the scenes situation. We don't know what players, you know, went in there and said what. But that's just what people are speculating at this moment. And it's obvious that the relationship between James Harden, their point guard, and the head coach and Doc Rivers at the time was not fantastic based on what we just heard from from James Harden. Well, this just in, Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN senior NBA insider, was on first take, and he was just asked what factor Harden and Embiid played specifically into Doc being dismissed. This is his response. Anytime an organization 
with star players like that is making a decision. You know, they're not doing it in a vacuum. And I think with J- the uncertainty around James Harden's future, can become a free agent, expected to become a free agent this summer. You know, we've talked a lot about this, Stephen. Uh, the fact that Houston looms on the horizon is a real threat to sign James Harden this summer. Uh, certainly, you know, they've got to take all of that into consideration. I think the sense largely was Doc Rivers, especially around Joel Embiid, uh, had support. You heard Joel Embiid after the Game 7 loss uh, back Doc Rivers. And listen, he did that publicly, publicly in a way that James Harden didn't. But what's interesting to me, Harry, even with that statement, is that mm-hmm. I find it hard, like just putting the, the, the bricks together, the, we're building a Lego castle together. I find it hard to, to find a way that the 76ers put what Harden wants ahead of what Embiid wants. Because in today's NBA, if Embiid doesn't say at least okay to this, he may not be passionate about it, but if he doesn't okay this, you run the risk that Embiid's going to walk in tomorrow and be like, nah, I just uh, you trade me. I don't want to be here anymore. Like, There's nothing that prevents players from doing that in this NBA. So while I hear you, and it makes a lot of sense that a lot of this falls on Harden, I have a hard time in my mind not imagining that they at least talk to Embiid. Well, here's the thing. That's how it's supposed to be, especially when you have a superstar player that just won an MVP award trophy. But also what Daryl Morey is going to do is value James Harden. We got to remember they were in Houston for a very, very long time together. James Harden was in Brooklyn when Daryl Morey took over uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers. It was imperative that he got James Harden to Philly. Right. So those two guys have had a relationship for a very, very long time since James Harden uh went to Houston. So that relationship, when it comes to all of this stuff, is going to be valued very highly in my eyes when I see this move that Doc Rivers has been fired. Uh, and I don't disagree with that, but James Harden does you no good if you lose and beat. Uh, that, that's the only thing I'm saying. Like, True. What you're saying makes so much sense. I feel like what's going to happen... But I'm going to say this really quick, though, too, Fitz. Yeah. I think for, for Embiid, too, I think it's all about who you bring in there as the coach. And I'll be honest, I'll say this. If it's a guy like Monty Williams, who played for the Philadelphia 76ers, who becomes their next head coach, who played there in 2002, 2003, who coached for Philly in 2018 to 2019 before he became, you know, the head coach of the Phoenix Suns, who was there with Embiid, I think then that's a, that's a, different, different, that's a different ball game. And if we're talking about somebody that they're bringing in as the head coach that Embiid might not like, then now we may run into some issues and some problems. 100%. In my mind, it works sort of like this. If Embiid is not passionate about it one way or the other, if Embiid looks at it and says, man, we can find a million coaches, I want to play with Harden, and if this keeps you happy, bro, let, let's do it. Like, I can see all of these elements of it. What I can't really find in my mind is, and I think you'll agree with this, is like, if they go to Embiid and say, we're letting Doc go, and Embiid's like, hell no, you're not. Well, then they're like, okay, no, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this thing goes you know what I mean I think today the the right conversation for a lot of people is going to be about Harden and this connection because it's an important part of it I just think that if Embiid hammers the table this never happens so it's got to mean that at some level whether it's because he knows who's coming or because he's just that comfortable with this guy Harden but look let me ask you this too though Right. You, you, we talk about Embiid you know slamming his fist down and, and, and saying this is what I want he couldn't even do that on the basketball court when he didn't touch the ball the last 356 mm. in the fourth quarter when other people were shooting the ball. He didn't do it then. Well, we didn't see it on the court from him in the game seven. 
you're you're a thousand percent right about that. that's a really good point. And I think you know part of this all leads back to the he did it in the post game. Yeah, but I need you to do it in the moment. I mean, you think about who's available too. If you if you're going to Embiid, what's really interesting. I started this off by saying, look, the top three winning records over the last three seasons belong to the Suns, the Bucks, and the 76ers. They've all fired their coaches. When you talk about who's available right now, crazy, you're talking right? about Monty Williams from the Suns. You're talking about Budenholzer from the Bucks. You're talking about Nick Nurse, who had a heck of a career with the, with the Raptors, right? Like a very respected coach. I'm looking across the board and saying, man, maybe part of the sales pitch is you know there's there's a bunch of guys out there that would be clamoring for this job, right? Like, there are plenty yep. of coaches that are looking at it saying, you want me to work with the MVP on a deep roster and try and keep Harden happy? Yeah, I can make that happen. Like, if you're in beat, it's much easier, frankly, no matter how good Doc is, it's much easier to replace Doc than it is to replace Harden. So maybe that's part of the logic going into this is, hey, let's keep everybody happy here. If I'm not passionate one way or the other, let's keep Harden happy and keep everybody together so the now, let, let me ask you this really quick, though. So if Mike D'Antoni becomes the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, what would that tell you? I mean, that would tell you that Harden basically had a hell of a... <laughs> that tells you... See, this is the way that we're... Like, you know, if Harry came over, like, we, we love everybody that we work for. So we'll just make this a different situation. We were doing a different show. We'll, we'll say that we were doing this wild... Harry and I are doing a wild show totally different than this. If Harry came in one night and was like, man, I really want to get rid of the guy that I loved... My first question would be like, for who? Then you'd start the sales pitch. And, you, man, you could sell ice to an Eskimo. By the end of the night, it'd be like, yeah, man, Harry's really got this thing figured out. He's going to be good. You're right. <laughs> if, if D'Antoni suddenly becomes the coach, then we all know that at some point that means Harden went over and poured a glass. And uh, they sat down and said, let me tell you why this is going to work. I, that does speak to something, though, that's part of NBA culture. But it, it, it also would tell me that Daryl Morey and James Harden, they want to be comfortable. Right. We was we always taught, man, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. Sometimes comfortable uh, comfortability drives complacency. Well, right. And, and when you're comfortable in situations, you don't always put forth your best efforts. So that's another thing that's stuck in my mind right now. And there is this element of Embiid that I could see him saying I'm comfortable in any situation. It is interesting, though, because what we're all going to do today is we're all going to connect the dots. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Make sure your family's well taken care of with life insurance. Protect your phones, laptops and more with electronic device insurance and cover your furry friends with pet health insurance like I do with Annabelle. All right, so all of this conversation presumes one thing. It connects all the dots because this is what the 76ers have to do to keep James Harden happy. But there's one thing that could happen tonight that Philly has no control over that could change Harden's future in the NBA. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The process is dead. The entire organization is soft, and that's what no one understands. This culture was built in Charmin soft losing. This to me was like a scam. It was a fantasy, and it was a coping mechanism for losing. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
The process is dead, and the NBA should be celebrating this. The entire organization is soft, and that's what no one understands. This culture was built in Charmin soft losing. This to me was like a scam. It was a fantasy, and it was a coping mechanism for losing. If I'm the 76ers, I don't care how much baggage he has, but I'm going to get Kyrie Irving. I'm just going to throw it out there real quick. There's one guy, and that guy's Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard in Philly makes him a champion. Man, I, I, I got to be honest. I'm just listening like you guys are to that. And the fiery hot takes about the 76ers, unexpected. I mean, you're talking about, I know it's regular season, but the regular season record over the last three years is pretty spectacular. So is this song, by the way. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, were presented by Progressive Insurance. The big breaking news we got just before the show is that the uh, the 76ers are parting ways with Coach Doc Rivers. Now, uh, that leads to a lot of questions about Philadelphia, but it also, part of this comes from the fact that there are questions about what's next for James Harden, specifically because there are multiple reports that we've now been hearing and rumblings everywhere, Harry, that there is the possibility that James Harden would want to return to Houston. In fact, Adrian Wojnarowski had this for us this morning. ESPN senior NBA insider on GetUp said this about why there's a very real possibility Houston and Harden could get remarried. There's a comfort level in Houston for James Harden. He's got family there. He's very comfortable in that environment. And this is an organization where he knows ownership. He knows the front office. I think regardless for the Rockets of whether or not they won the draft lottery, my sense is that would not necessarily change the Rockets' intentions to Mm. pursue James Harden. Now, the draft lottery is important here because that is tonight. And as of right now, the Rockets have tied for the best chance at getting the top pick. The top pick is going to be Victor Wembanyama, who is the greatest. I, I mean, he is the, for anyone that doesn't pay attention to the NBA draft, he is sort of like a Peyton Manning at this point. He is that widely regarded as a plug-and-play immediate difference maker. So, Harry, this comfort combined with the fact that Wembenyama could end up there could be a reason why, even with Doc Rivers gone, Harden chooses to play back in Houston. Yeah, and he he loves the Houston area. Um, that's actually what James Harden and my brother played together at in Houston. And he loves the city. We just heard Wolf say he has a ton of family there, but also that was his first opportunity, Fitz, to be a number one option. Remember in Oklahoma City, he was a guy that came off the bench being that sixth man, but when he went to Houston, he was able to, you know, guard the Houston Rockets and have that be his team. And won an MVP there as well, played at a very, very high level, um, had spots and moments where a lot of people were questioning some things here and there. But overall, his Houston debut and also his, you know, his career throughout the time he was there, the duration of the time he was there was phenomenal. You look at the young pieces that they have now, they have a Jalen Green, they have a Jabari Smith Jr., they have a um, Seguin, who, the big man, 6'11", who was able to produce this year. Now, the wins weren't there. There in that column, but if you're able to get a James Harden, also along with Victor Wimbanyama, who's considered a unicorn, I think uh, uh, Ime uh, Udoka has a young catalyst that those guys can groom and grow together, along with the veteran like James Harden. So I think it's 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 definitely an option 
when you have uh, the option or, or the, the possibility the Houston Rockets of getting a unicorn-type player like Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, Wembanyama, by the way, has been dominating overseas. There's been a lot written about him for anyone that hasn't read about it. It is worth reading. He is huge. He has everything to his game. You're talking about somebody that's seven foot five, right? He's seven foot five. He's still growing. He had a two-game G League Ignite sort of appearance over the summer. He scored 36 and 37 points, respectively, against other top prospects in that and made it look easy. Also, he's great on the defensive side of the ball. Like There is nothing he doesn't do incredibly well. So I, I feel it. And I think you can speak to this as a former athlete, right? Like, sometimes home hits hard, whatever whatever home identifies as. And I think a lot of us have felt that in our lives, but particularly yeah. when you're playing, like for me, Vegas will always have my heart. I will, I, like if I have the opportunity to go to Vegas, I'm always going to want to be in Vegas because it's home for me. For you, Atlanta is home. And even when you're making decisions on where to root yourself, where you want your family to be, where to play, all of these things, like home matters for some guys. <laughs> it's, it, it played a major part. Like, when I was going, when I went to Tennessee and I was choosing where I was going to go, when I got let go by the Falcons, uh, I really didn't want to go to the West Coast. I didn't want to go that far, uh, far from home. I chose a 30-minute flight, a uh, four-hour drive. But also, like, when my last year, when I was done at Tennessee and I was looking to play again and the Raiders were a team that was on my radar and I just decided, you know what, I can't go that far away from home. Uh, so, I, so I chose to retire instead. So it, it plays a major factor in a lot of things that you want to do. Also, when you look at Houston and the state of Texas being a, a, a state that doesn't have state mm-hmm. tax, mm-hmm. that plays a huge difference when, you talk, difference when you talk about a guy in James Harden who's going to be making the type of money that he's going to be making. I, there's a, a moment here where I think a human element uh, for all of us to remember is that not everybody's wired for the same things at different spots in their career. Some people later in their career, and I think we'd all agree, Harden obviously later in his career. Sometimes later in your career, you want to ring chase. You just want to go wherever you can have the best chance at a championship. I respect that. If that's what you want to do and you want to have that championship moment. Also, sometimes though, like what you want is you want comfort. You want to be somewhere that feels right. And especially given the marathon of the NBA season, I'll never fault a player looking around. Like, I, look, Harden has a much better chance at a championship as it stands right now with the 76ers than he would with Houston. But that doesn't mean that that eliminates Houston from the conversation, given what you go through through the course of an NBA season and how much it matters the time that you spend in that city. I think these are all factors that any human being would consider. Well, also, let's look at this now. We think about his days in Houston, right, when he was trying to compete uh, for a championship and got stopped numerous of occasions. And one that comes to mind is being up in that series versus the Golden State Warriors before they blew that lead and lost. And then let's say he goes to the Brooklyn Nets and teams up with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and that was a disaster. Then he goes to Philly, right, the last last two years, and – It wasn't everything he probably thought it would be, and they came up short again. I think James Harden is understanding and realizing it's not that easy just to compete for a championship either. So in his mind, what if he's just comfortable with, you know, with making his money and and riding off into the sunset? Not saying that's what he's thinking. I'm just saying, like, what if he's just comfortable with doing that at this stage? Like, to me, there's nothing – like, honestly, in a world where we're all starved for championships, there's also nothing wrong with somebody saying, man, love of the game, love of the life, like – I'd rather just play somewhere I'm comfortable in. By the way, the NBA draft tonight on ESPN, uh, the draft lottery, I should say. Tonight, ESPN, 8 p.m. Eastern. Right now, there are three teams, the Pistons, the Rockets, and the Spurs. 
those three teams all have a 14% chance in the lottery of getting the top pick. After that, you've got Charlotte, then Portland, and then the numbers deteriorate from there. But you've even got a team like New Orleans sitting there. New Orleans has a half of 1% of a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. So for everybody tonight in what ESPN.com has titled the most anticipated draft lottery since 2003, we are talking about the type of player that makes an immediate epic difference to a franchise Presumably. You never know, but presumably right now, if there's one guy you can bank on, it's Victor Wembanyama, and we'll see what that means for the Rockets and what that could mean for Harden, which would be upsetting for the 76ers if they, in fact, let Doc go just to keep James happy. These are the layers that we're breaking down in NBA drama. All right, coming up, game one of the Western Conference Finals tonight. We'll tell you what's on the line for LeBron if he wins, and maybe more importantly, if he loses. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. out the defending NBA champion Warriors. The Lakers head to Denver to face the top-seeded Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. Game one of the Nuggets and Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins tonight at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and of course your smart speakers. Just ask your smart speakers politely to play ESPN Radio, and they will help you out. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, sometimes we hear takes that are so amazing, we've got to play them. Uh, Aside from good take, hot take, we're going to get into good take, hot take later today. But there was one particular take this morning on Get Up that really stood out. And it's from our buddy, Ryan Clark. Not ESPN NFL analyst, but he was breaking down what specifically a title would mean this year for LeBron James. This is what RC said. It's kind of like his least impressive championship, mm. if, if you're asking me. And it's because, it's because... Beating the Thunder was the least it's, impressive it's, championship. Well, in the sense, though, in beating the Thunder, that was the championship LeBron James had to go out and win. Yeah, but right? that was the championship. Yeah, that was the championship you had to assemble the team to, to win. And even though Dwayne Wade was the leader of that team, LeBron James was the best player in the world. Right. LeBron James ain't the best player in the world anymore. Ryan Clark now joins us. This is the way we do things. The Wolfback grows by one <laughs> RC right here. Uh, RC, you've had a minute to think about it. You you still feel like it's the least impressive of, of all the titles for uh, for the King? Thus far, like 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 thus far. Think about what it was to get out of the East, even in when he had to beat the OKC Thunder in the championship. When you had the Indianas, you had the the Boston. You know the the, the type of fight it took to even be the champion of the Eastern Conference. It's different now. You know, the Memphis Grizzlies without Steven Adams, without another big, um, the dysfunction with Dylan Brooks, now we know what we've seen with John Moran. The Golden State Warriors weren't the Golden State Warriors we know and love, right? That got pushed out of them in camp. And so when you look at who the Lakers have played, this hasn't been a treacherous road of getting to the Western Conference Finals. No. 
You're going to play against Jokic. You're going to play against Jamal Murray. The Denver Nuggets are the number one seed. Overcoming this will be huge. But when you look at the Los Angeles Lakers, let's think about LeBron James in his previous runs. Even with the Miami Heat, you knew D. Wade was a Hall of Famer. Chris Bosh was going to be a future Hall of Famer. But all of that was about who LeBron James was and what he does in the biggest moment. We have discussions daily about who the go-to guy on this team is. We have discussions daily, does this have to be an A.D. game or a LeBron James game? I mean, we're watching the offense be run through Austin Reeves. This is an impressive run for LeBron James individually? No. This is an impressive run for the Los Angeles Lakers, for the remade Lakers that started 2-10. and 10. But y'all can't tell me y'all be sitting at y'all house, oh my gosh, this is so impressive by LeBron James. Look at all of these monsters and antagonists he's overcoming. Come on, man. Harry Douglas played better people than this at Louisville. <laughs> Look, R.C., I'm not going to sit up here and say what you're saying is, is wrong because I don't think it is. And I tried to, you know, touch on this a little bit when it came to Anthony Davis and who he was going against on this run that the Lakers are on right now. And people thought I was crazy. I think right now at this point, there are two, LeBron, two games in this playoff so far for the Los Angeles Lakers where I can say LeBron James, okay, he was really, really dominant. And that's the 2020 game that he had. And also, most recently, the Game 6 game uh, against the Golden State Warriors where he had 39 rebounds and 9 assists. I think collectively as a team, what we're seeing from the Los Angeles Lakers right now is Austin Reeves running the show, going through Anthony Davis, him playing that stifling defense to the point to where – I'm going to say LeBron is able to coast, but not really call it coasting because I don't think he would ever cheat the game like that. But there are times where LeBron James doesn't have to have the ball because they have so much belief in Austin Reeves. They have that belief in D'Angelo Russell and also have that belief in Anthony Davis. So me saying that LeBron not being ball dominant, I could understand your point in that sense. What do what what do you feel like you know the Lakers moving forward need to do to beat the Denver Nuggets though? Right, right. So here's what's hard. Let's if you go back to the previous series against the Phoenix Suns, they start out 2-0, D. Buck and KD go crazy in the two games back at Phoenix, and then we watch them start to use Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic in that high pick and roll involving DeAndre Ayton. Obviously, Ayton misses the last game, but when you have two players of their level, right, playing on both the perimeter and under the block, even though Jokic can move out and, and hit jumpers, right, and run offense through them, I think you put the defense in the bind. And I talked about it on first take this morning with JJ. I think you're going to see the same thing utilized because remember when Golden State was trying to find offense, they started to involve Anthony Davis in pick and roll. Why? Because now you pull him away from the goal. Now you don't have that real protector. So I think that's going to be the same thing. So it's going to be about Anthony Davis's defense and his effort and output on that end and then how hard he can make Nikola Jokic work offensively. It's also going to be Darvin Ham. I thought Darvin Ham did a masterful job of manipulating his roster and also figuring out who has the hot hand of the other guy. I think I heard you mention it, Harry, while, while you were answering the question. We had a D-low game, right? We had a Lonnie Walker fourth quarter. We had an Austin Reeves first half. We've had a LeBron James full game. We've had four or five Anthony Davis full games. This is, this is star by committee 
right now for the Los Angeles Lakers, and they have to do that as much as possible until it's time for the king to be the king again and recapture the throne as we saw him do late in the game against Dylan Brooks, as we saw him do in the closeout game with 30 points against the Golden State Warriors. But this is going to be a collective team effort, and it's going to take all seven to do it if the Lakers even can. We're talking to Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst, co-host of the Pivot Podcast. Be sure to check it out. All right, RC, I got, I got to ask you a football question here uh, because I'm a little puckered up. You know my Raiders fandom. Uh, Devontae Adams just did an interview, and this is the quote. The front office thinks this is the best bet for us right now to put us in a position to be urgent. We don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now. How panicked should I be about Devontae Adams basically openly telling the entire world he doesn't see eye to eye with my favorite team's front office? I think basically openly telling you he sees all of the excitement coming out of Green Bay and he's not that excited in Las Vegas. You know, or you you know, you pick at seven and you're sitting with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's just giving you an honest assessment of the decisions that they've made in the offseason. You have to remember a large reason why Devontae Adams goes to Las Vegas is because of his friend Gary Carr who is no longer with the team now. And so you're going to get rid of my closest friend on the team, a player who I respect both for his football talent and who he is as a human, and the person you bring in ain't even as talented as him. The person you bring in hasn't been as healthy as him. And you're expecting Devontae Adams, who has nothing left to prove as an individual player. All he has left to do is win a championship. And I don't believe he feels you're putting him in the best position to do that, and that's why he has an issue. Ryan, that's why I drink too much. Uh, the pivot. I got to ask you a quick question about the pivot. You had uh, you had the Rock Hello. on. Now you've seen the Rock face to face. Are you ready to step in the ring? Because like height wise, I felt like it was a little more comparable than I expected. Like I feel like you could you could take on the Rock maybe. No, I, I mean first off, I can take him on in WWE because it's been right. <laughs> but I felt like I, you know, like we're not really fighting. I don't want to really fight the Rock. But the other piece of it is this, too. The dude is huge. And, I mean, absolutely shredded. What it really made me think is I got to get my butt in shape. You know, <laughs> I'm around here. I'm around here looking like a small package of swaggle mixed with Chris Canty. I got to get my life together before these suits don't fit in the war. Dude, I, I'm just telling you, you know, next time you're up in Bristol, check out Orange Theory with me. I got my body fat down 30% this year. Let's go, baby. Uh, RC, we appreciate if, your time. If, if, if you got your body fat down 30%, that is terrible, and I'm ashamed of you. Look. Because that means it was sitting somewhere around around 45. Uh, look, and uh, we can't have that. I, I, look, I, I'm, I'm a big, my, my body's a temple now, you know, maybe, maybe last fall, let myself go a little bit. I'm a temple right now. I'm not, I'm not even going to wear <laughs> a shirt by this fall. RC, appreciate your time, brother. Thanks for hanging out with us. Oh, man, have a good one. That's Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst, co-host of the Pivot Podcast. Uh, if you've never checked out the Pivot, you see it on ESPN advertised all the time. You should. Uh, the best guests and the guys do a great job of getting great stuff out of them. All right, good take, hot takes coming up, including one I'm going to make live on this show you will hate me for it. I don't care. Bring on the hate because the truth is about to be brought in. That's right. I said that. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio Series XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
For the fifth time in franchise history, the Denver Nuggets go to the Western Conference Finals. It's a great challenge, of course. We're going to play against uh, Lakers. You cannot relax. You need to play your game. The Lakers, the seventh seed, will face Denver for the Western Conference title. Now we're stepping into another round, like Ron said, level three. So now we got to take our focus, awareness up a level. What if I told you everything we're seeing for the Lakers is actually going exactly to the master plan? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I've got the mother of hot takes, of all hot takes. We'll get to that in a little bit. Like, it might be my hottest of hottest takes, but we're going we're gonna to hold off on that for a minute. We have some breaking news I want everybody to know from the WNBA. This Justin, this is breaking news. The WNBA has rescinded the Las Vegas Aces 2025 first-round draft pick and has suspended head coach Becky Hammond for two games following an investigation that found the franchise violated league rules regarding impermissible player benefits and respect in the workplace policies, the league announced Tuesday. According to the league, the team violation entailed promises of impermissible benefits during contract extension negotiations for former Aces player De'Erica Hamby. The respect in the workplace violation stemmed with comments Hammond made to Hamby in connection to the latter's pregnancy. This has been an ongoing investigation with the WNBA, something the Aces have been bracing for for quite a while, and now we have this uh, ruling. So at this point, remember, Hamby was traded this offseason to the Los Angeles Sparks. At that point, she took allegations public that she was uh, she uh, underwent uh, she was treated uh, differently after her pregnancy, and that the team made guarantees and then didn't honor them. So this is something that the Aces have been uh, bracing for, and now we know what the punishment will be. They lose a 2025 first-round draft pick. Also, Becky Hammond suspended two games. Significant news in a WNBA where there are essentially this year, for anyone not paying attention, two mega teams. One is in New York, one is in Vegas. There are championship aspirations, again, for the defending champion Aces. This is significant. All right, Harry, uh, I, I want to get to my hot take on the Lakers, but first... I want us to have the opportunity to to talk a little bit about what Ryan Clark just said. There's this conversation that this wouldn't be the most impressive Laker a championship specifically for LeBron. A, I would say to that, it is possible for that to exist without it being any slight to LeBron because he's Agreed. been asked to do so much so many times. But also, isn't this kind of what the Lakers hoped for initially? When we saw AD and LeBron coming together, the plan was always going to be like a cross-section. As LeBron naturally dipped for no fault of his own, he's getting older. As LeBron starts to dip, AD was supposed to rise. Now, we've been, I've been very hard on the the inconsistencies of AD. We've had a lot of questions about the health of both of them. But right now in this moment, what we are seeing is exactly what the Lakers tried to draw up, right? Like this ascension of AD along with LeBron not having to do as much is exactly what they hoped for. Yeah, 100% fits. And we call it passing the torch, right? And you see a guy, LeBron James, as an individual, be able to do so much up until this point. Winning four championships was a major, major part in all four that he won, but also was a major part in all the ones that he lost, right? And if it was, you know, for 
few of the uh, supporting cast, he may have a few more under his, un, under his belt, or the lack of supporting cast, he might have a few under his belt, a few more, that is. But when you look at when this team won the championship down in the bubble 2019-2020, in which the last time, you know, the Nuggets and, and, and the Los Angeles Lakers faced each other in the Western Conference Finals as well, Right. You've seen a different Anthony Davis. You've seen an Anthony Davis that was young, that was hungry, that wanted to be that dominant player and that guy that LeBron James could pass the torch to. And that was the mindset of a lot of people at that moment after winning that championship. Well, things haven't worked out necessarily that way. But then you have this year where things changed. And we got to give Rob Palenka a lot of credit for making the trade and bringing in D'Angelo Russell and uh, bringing over uh, going to get Hachimura. It, as well as Jared Vanderbilt and, and company and Malik Beasley, it kind of changed this team uh, in their dynamic. And then the emergence of a Austin Reeves, since we've seen from the All-Star break, really, really being an offensive threat and doing a lot for this Los Angeles Lakers basketball team. So now you have Anthony Davis being consistent like the last three or four games in that series against the Golden State Warriors and LeBron James hasn't had to do so much and it's crazy because I don't want to slight him because he's so important to what the Lakers do because of his presence as well um, and, and I don't want to make it seem like he's taking plays off because he would never do that but when you have the trust in Austin Reeves when you have the trust in an Anthony Davis for them to be able to go out there and perform at a high level and you believe in the rest of the guys around you then LeBron James doesn't have to do as much and in this series or I say the playoff alone and if the Lakers go on to make the finals and win it I think the main thing we will be talking about is how Anthony Davis really anchored this basketball team from his paint presence, his athleticism and being able to be a, a dominant force on the defensive end. And that's what everyone envisioned when these two guys got together and then they won that championship uh, back in 1920. I mean, if you're a Lakers fan, by the way, Lakers Nuggets, game one tonight begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. If you're a Lakers fan, you're saying, okay, well, healthy in the bubble, championship. Right now, healthy could be headed to a championship, right? Like, things look pretty good. If you're a Lakers fan, you're looking at it saying the only thing that, that has held us back is health, and that's something you can't really help. And, you know, frankly, as much as I loudly will say again before anybody asks me, I have plenty to crow to eat about how wrong I was about the Lakers. I stand by a, a particular part of my logic, which was we're just saying, well, if they're healthy. Well, they're never healthy. I'm not sure they're even 100% healthy, but they're healthy enough right now that they're able to do this to, to to everybody across the board because by design, as Anthony Davis gets his confidence in this swagger and becomes exactly Ooh, what they right, thought he right was going to be. Right there. That word you said, the confidence. Because, Fitz, you mentioned AD, and I think a part of what the Lakers are able to do and have been doing so far going into the Western Conference Finals, it's the confidence of everyone on that roster. I just wanted to say that. Uh, no, you're right. It is the confidence, and it comes from the fact that now the plan is working exactly as Lakers fans and the Lakers organization hoped it would. You can't take anything away from what we're seeing right now. So even if it's not its most impressive title, maybe that's by design. All right, coming up, a future Hall of Famer will tell us what the future holds for another Hall of Famer. Easier said than done. That's next, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 